There are some things I may not know. There are some places I can't go. But I am sure of this one thing that God is. Of an empty heart 
Late in my life I know how forgotten it feels Wondering if the world even knows who you are But I've never known anything or felt anything like the love of Jesus it's hard to describe what's happening inside But right now, all I know is It feels like redemption is raining down on me It feels like forgiveness has come to set me free All my chains have been lifted Cause when the hands of love touch a broke in life, it feels like redemption. Ooh, 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 ooh. And I know how thankful it feels, cause I am overwhelmed by this gift of grace. Home and I know how healing feels Cause all of my pain and all of my shame And all of my tears have been erased, yeah It feels like redemption is raining down on me It feels like forgiveness has come to set me free all my chains have been lifted Cause when the hands of love touch a broken life It feels like Say goodbye The past is ending Say hello to a new beginning No more night The sun is shining Yeah It's shining like redemption is raining down on me it feels like forgiveness has come to set me free all my chains have been lifted it's when the hand of love touch a broken life and when the hand of love touch a broken like redemption hallelujah has anybody been forgiven in here has anybody felt redemption amen but it's so good to see everybody. Let's, o let's open in prayer, shall we? Our Father, thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to gather in your house, sing praises to your name, Lord. It's a privilege that we don't take for granted, Lord. Thank you for every person here. Lord, I ask you to pour a special anointing right now on uh, Pastor Robert as he brings the word this morning. We're so thrilled to have him this morning. Keep our pastor and Sister Mary and the rest of our family safe while they're ministering and tilden, Lord. Bless this service. Let everything we do bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hallelujah. got a full house and we're so thankful to have some brand new faces that I've never seen before. So it's time for meet and greet. If you'll turn up, bring those lights up, shake every hand, hug every neck. Will and he will answer by, by and by. Now have a little talk, have a little 
and he will answer by and by. Let's have a little talk, have a little talk with him. Come on, let's have a little talk with each other. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faded cry. He will answer find your seats and if I could get uh, the men to come forward for the offering. We got so excited that I broke a string, and then, and then Donnie got excited that I broke one, and he decided to break one too. So, copycat, huh? So we're gonna see if we can play the songs without the strings. We Nolan, can we get you to come forward? It's been one of those mornings. We had a wonderful rehearsal Thursday night. Um, it was a blessing. We uh, we really enjoyed it. And uh, so we were excited to come in here this morning, and then we start having problems with the sound. Herschel doesn't go good. We start breaking strings. So that just means that the service is going to be wonderful because <laughs> the enemy's trying to slow it down, and he's just not going to be able to do that. He's throwing everything, everything he can at us, and it's still mm -hmm. not happening. So. Amen. Don, would you like to pray over our offering? 
Man, what a glorious day. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord respect and take off our hats and pray over our offering, please. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for the ability to wake up this morning, Lord. Some people didn't have that privilege, and it's a privilege given from you, Father God. And so is being able to come and worship and, and praise you, Lord, because some places can't do that without a thumb over them, Father God. And we just thank you for open freedom, Father God. And Lord, I just thank you for the freedom from from debt and everything else that you just put over us, Father God. I ask, Lord, that you'll just take this, Lord, and it, it's a commandment to give back to you, Father God. It's not something that we want to do. It's something that we're supposed to do, Father God. And most of all, I just thank you for putting it in our heart to want to do it, Lord. And, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you'll just take this, Lord, and multiply it for your kingdom, Lord. As the church family looks around and sees how this church is expanding and growing, Lord, it takes more to do that, Father. It takes more to go out in the community and do that, Father God. And you could do it without us, Father God, but you give us the ability to be obedient, Father God, and be in on that, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, that you'll just multiply it, Father God. You'll bless those that are able to give and not able to give, Father, because you know the hearts, Lord. And let it be from our heart, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen.
lift my eyes up to the mountain where does my help come from my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and When I come 
this morning. It's a, it's a privilege to have Pastor Robert with us this morning. Amen. He's a, friend, he's a friend and he's a friend of our church. And a lot of y'all know him. He, he and his lovely wife taught our marriage conference recently. Some of y'all had the privilege of going through that. Yeah. Party, right? Those of you that went to the marriage uh, conference, some of y'all in here? Yeah, there's quite a few of y'all in here, old friends. We had a great time, didn't we? Huh? Is that good? Just sticking up. I actually am not used to wearing anything like this, so if this thing comes flying off at some point. Well, I'm, I'm really grateful to get to come um, and visit and, uh, and talk about God with you this morning with Pastor Mark. Uh, and Mary asked if I could come and fill in as they're going and, and preaching, I think, a revival in Tyndall, Tilden, uh, Tilden, Texas. Um, I was really honored to get to. I've made great friends here and uh, feel like family. Uh, past, your pastor uh, and Mary, they are the most amazing, loving, caring people. And that joker can preach. Yeah. I'm really not a preacher. So that's a disclaimer today. I just hope to be able to share with you what God put on my heart. Quite frankly, it's a little heavy. Uh, hope, I'm glad there's just one service, right? So if we happen to go just a tad bit long, is that okay? Y'all don't have lunch plans already, do you? Okay, good, good. I want to ask you some questions that you're going to think is probably a little bit silly uh, this morning. But before I do that, what I'd like to do is 
first of all, ask God to help me because I sure need his help. I want to kind of disappear up here. I feel better if I could. You ever have those glasses you put on, you close your eyes when you're little? You just, now you're not there? That's what I hope happens this morning. I hope God shows up, and I know he will if our hearts are right and our minds are right. And I want to pray for your pastor uh, this morning as he ministers. Um, let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we love you, Jesus. We are so grateful to get to come in your house and talk about you. Here your kids are coming. The church showed up this morning. The building was here, but the church showed up. And Lord, we're going to have uh, an amazing time. Our praise and worship, Lord, was awesome because you're worthy of our praise and our worship. You're worthy for us to lift you on high because you are on high, Lord. And we just love you for it. We just lift uh, Pastor Mark and Mary up to you this morning as they continue to minister. Uh, Lord, Just we just pray that you do an amazing anointing on them and that people come and rededicate their lives and people are healed and people are set free from addictions and issues of their life and people come to know you. So, Lord, we just ask this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Be with us this morning through the Holy Spirit, I pray. And we love you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So, cool. Who has thoughts? Pretty sharp, aren't I? It just gets better. Who has thoughts? Who thinks? Who reasons? Have you ever thought about where your thoughts come from? Did you know that I read a study that said that the, the person who has the most effect on each one of us is us? And I'm like, that don't even make sense. How can that be? Does that confuse anybody? We have the most impact on ourselves by our own words? Is that confusing? Who's, who does self-talk? Who talks to themselves? Oh, man, I'm thank the Lord I'm at the right place. <laughs> For a minute there, I was about to see if somebody else would come up. You have whole, thank you, brother, for being honest, and so do I. There's, okay, anybody else in here? All right, oh, okay, so, <laughs> so some people are deep thinkers, some people are the shallow end thinkers, some people are crazy thinkers, some people are different thinkers, some people think so much and their mind is so busy that it's hard for them to keep things. Have you ever got up to go to get something? I'm in the right church. I'm in the right church. Do you wonder why all this is going on? I do. They say they have medicine for it and all that. I forgot. I went to a memory deal one time and they had all this stuff to... I couldn't remember where the class was, and so I just failed on that. <laughs> Thoughts are powerful. Anybody here talk out loud to themselves? Wow, man, I am, I'm at home. I don't know where I've been. I've been lost, but I'm back. This is awesome. You know what's amazing about this is that that is normal. When you talk to yourself, Do you 
talk in good ways or do you talk in bad ways? Here's what happens when I hear things in my head. Robert, I can't believe that you did that again. I'm actually shocked. Your value is don't have much. Can you imagine if someone ever knew the things you've done in your past? Here you go again. Anybody with me this morning? Okay. Versus the positive thoughts. You're a child of God. You're an heir to the throne. You belong to the king. That's what I want. Those are the thoughts that I want. Those are the thoughts that I want because it's amazing. I just did a suicide funeral for a friend of mine who was suffering from, from PTSD. And if you don't believe that there's evil in the world, all we have to do is look at the TV and look at anybody go to Walmart. I know I go there, and all beside the checkout counter is just, quite frankly, trash. We're bombarded with it. Any guys in here have ever had a pornography problem? It's amazing when you go on the phone and you're just trying to go somewhere and get to a website of some type and different things pop up. Let me tell you, the enemy, I don't like to use the word well, but he's alive. And he never stops and he never takes a break. Huh. Thoughts are powerful. Tell you a story about a couple of little boys to give you an illustration of that before we get in the word. There's two little boys, and they're about four or five years old, and they are an absolute handful. Four or five year old little boys are handfuls, usually. I know I was. You're a liar and a thief, Satan. So. <laughs> So these two little boys, they were identical twins, but they were so opposite of one another. Thoughts are amazing how powerful they are. And this one little boy was so optimistic, was so positive that everything was just roses and cherries and just unbelievable, just in the middle underneath everything. And the other little boy, you could barely get him out of his room. He just wants to sit in the corner and just cry and cry and cry. So we have one that thinks positive, and we have one that thinks negative. Well, they couldn't figure out. They tried to medicate them. They tried to do all this stuff. And finally, this guy says, I got a test I want to run. And we'll figure this thing out. So he has them show up, and he has one of these little boys go into this one room, the little, little negative boy, the little pessimist. And it's completely full of all the latest and greatest toys. And he just sits down in the middle of the room and cries. I said, son, what's going on with you? Oh, I don't want to. I might break the toys. I might do this. I don't know how to use them properly. Just a little, just cry. And they took the, op the, the optimistic little boy and they put him in a room. And in this room, it was a glass room, and it was about three feet deep in horse manure. We can say manure and Cowboy Church over here. Is that okay? All right. I've heard Pastor Mark say some stuff too. Um, <laughs> he can preach where I can understand it. And the little boy, he's looking around, and all of a sudden he starts digging. And there's, there's 
manure and poop going everywhere. And they run in there and they said, son, what are you doing? He's got a huge smile on his face. He's covered with that stuff. He said, with this much manure, there has got to be a pony in here somewhere. That's the little boy I want to be when I grow up. I'm going to talk to you this morning about taking your thoughts captive. Woo. Man, it's heavy. And I don't know how, how well I'm going to be able to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to do my very best. I've, I tried to get off on something else, and I kept trying to go somewhere else with this. God said, no, this is where you're going to stay. So I want you to write a couple of scriptures down if you would. Got your Bibles? I remember that. That's sweet. Romans 12, 2, if you'll write that down. We're going to read these two together. And then 2 Corinthians 10, 5. You just get there. Romans 12, 2 is where we're going to start. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Whew. Man, I've always wanted to be able to know what to do and what to think because I just have stinking thinking sometimes. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a challenge taking my thoughts captive. It's a challenge. The preceding words that we just read from Paul are two different verses from two different letters. I want to show you that they're relevant today and they were relevant in Paul's world also. I think it's important. So, so many times we'll hear a scripture and we really don't know how does that relate to where we are today. Anybody with me? Happens to me on a fairly regular basis. So today what I hope to do is unpack this and at the end of it give us some, some points to help our thought processes. Okay? Is that fair? All right. To say we're living in an immoral world and a depraved culture would be an understatement. Just watch the news. In Paul's time, they were experiencing the same kind of moral decline that led Paul to write to two different, well, really the same type of culture as ours. And he doesn't hold back. Now, this is going to be God's word that I'm going to read to you. Okay? I'm going to start in Romans 1. 16. You'll go to Romans 1, 16. There you go. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it's written. The righteous will live by faith. 
I want you to know something this morning that you cannot have faith and control. Who has struggled with control? And Gosh, boy, I'm at the right place this morning. I feel, I feel like we all got some work to do is what I feel. Praise God. The wrath of God is being revealed in 18 is where I'm at from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Woo! For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. And men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to the depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. Sound familiar? Okay. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteousness decree, Righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. Does this sound familiar at all today? In the Greek, there is no word for mind. Because another part of the body, the heart, was thought to possess these qualities of what we now know as the brain. So the heart can be pure, holy, courageous, clean, and stubborn, as well as evil and good. I have a heart problem. How do I know that? Because there's times when I say things that I don't mean. Or did I? You ever say something go, oh, I didn't mean to say that. The book says, God's word says, that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. Think about the things you keep telling yourself and where does it come from. So we still use the heart to describe someone. He has a good heart as relating to the qualities of his character. So today, 
We know our brain is where all the functions and qualities of the mind take place. The brain reasons, remembers, plans, decides. It can have powerful emotions like anger, sadness, fear, and anxiety. Thoughts all take place in the brain. In order to know how to take thoughts captive and how to transform your mind, you need to know how to do so in the brain. So the enemy's going to come to you here. God's going to be here. Okay? And when you hear it versus you feel it, you got a choice to make. The stuff that I hear here, other than this morning, So people, young, young, uh, young girls and boys, young men, young women, older kids like me, age has nothing to do with maturity, so everybody knows. So just, um, hey, really doesn't. When they talk about what you listen to, what goes into your mind, what you watch, what goes into your mind, it has an amazing impact on you. Just thought I'd throw that in. That one's it's free. It'd be interesting to see if we could count how many messages of immorality and messages of darkness that we would see on a daily basis. Huh. Start with TVs, movies, talked about magazines. Don't forget conversations in the workplace, places that uh, all around you, the images that are being demonstrated on how people dress even at church. We're supposed to tell the truth. And there's guys and gals that come to church with some stuff on that's interesting. Come any way you want, but it's just interesting. That's for somebody here. I don't know who that's for. Add to your list any recent statistics you have read or heard about porn, infidelity, divorce, abortion, then factor in the news about the financial times of the world, corruption, murder, random acts of violence. How about on our police officers? ISIS, they think of new and unique ways to kill Christians. And then televise it. And edit it. And send it out on the web. You don't think there's evil in the world? Hmm. Scripture says that our battles are not against flesh and blood against principalities, dark places, about four layers of darkness. Strata is what it says. So what I realized when my wife and I, those of you who were in marriage class, what I realized was my wife wasn't the enemy. Man, I thought she was like a four-horned goat with like seven eyes. And then I don't want to tell you what her description of me was. She's not my enemy. The enemy's my enemy. We need, to, we need to recognize and what the truth is and the stuff that comes out of our mouth, we start believing it. Does anyone remember three channels? Yeah. No, no, uh, no uh, satellite, no cable, rabbit ears. I'd get up. I was the remote. Turn that channel. Anybody? 
Yeah, okay. No social media. I don't look like a remote, but I was. So was my wife. She was a remote, too, in her household. And her dad would sit there, she said, and he'd sit through the craziest stuff that she knew he had nothing to do with, but then she'd have to go to the bathroom and couldn't wait any longer, and she'd get up, and as soon as she stood up, turn that channel, would you, for me, please? It's amazing. It was a waiting game. So if we're going to learn how to make healthy decisions, we need to learn how to control our thought life. And if you're not spending time in this right here, you're not going to win. It's not going to happen, period. We'll not win. There's no way to win. We're not built to win without God. We're not built to win without the Holy Spirit being our counselor and our teacher. There's no way we're going to win. We may do okay, but who wants to just do okay? God says, I came so you'd have life and have it more abundantly. <laughs> we need to control our thought life. Zig Ziglar, an old, old trainer, Christian man, says we have stinking thinking. We need a checkup from our neck up. I know I do. I know that the enemy is so amazing about how he's able to remind me of the things that I'm not good at or that where I've had failures in my life. There's been many. And it seems to me like when you, it's like training a new puppy. You get the new puppy and he's an inside dog and when they're puppies, what do inside dogs do? Pee everywhere? Is that what... And how do you train them to keep them from doing that? What? You rub their nose in it, don't you? You spank them. No, no, Nemo. No, no, Fido, whatever. <laughs> so sweet. You ever seen a cat do something on the floor and there's nothing around it and they're just like, anyway, that was just, that just came to me. I'm a little weird like that. I got to get my thoughts. It's just there's no, there's no, nothing there, dude. Stop it. It's crazy. And y'all are so smart. Wow. So I'm going to go back to where I really should have been. Is that when the enemy comes to me and reminds me of my failures or what's been done to me or what I've done to others, and knowing that I'm a child of God, knowing that I've been born again, knowing that I... I'm an heir, a joint heir to the throne of Jesus. That's the word. But it's amazing the power of the deception, the illusionist, the one that hates us, that we're made in God's image. And he takes my head and he just starts, oh, really? So you're going to go over there and you're going to preach to these people? Do they know this? Do they know that? You don't think I heard those words this morning and last night? You can't do anything in church. You can't serve. You got a background that's horrible. Tithe to the church? What do I want to do that for? They're just going to waste the money. I don't like the colors in there. Sound system. It's too loud. It squeaks. It's too low. Where did these thoughts come from? Who's ever been in an argument or a fight on the way to church? What in the world is wrong with us? We have an enemy. That's what's, that's what's wrong. And the enemy is not us. 
but he uses us just like God can use us. If you don't think there's a spiritual warfare going on for you, that plays for keeps, why would you fight going to church? I just thought that... Yeah, John 10.10. Came to kill, steal, and destroy. God says, I came so you'd have life and have it more abundantly. That's right. So five points to correct your thought life. So if you're taking notes, here's where we're going to take them. Mm, I got to go. Number one, Romans 12, 1. About being a living sacrifice. Write down 12, 1, and I'm going to read through to you. A sacrifice is something that is offered to God. Paul's argument here is that the appropriate response for us to make to the sacrifice Christ has made on our behalf is to offer up our lives to God by making Jesus not only our Savior and friend, but our Lord and our Master. It's important that it says we are to offer living sacrifices. Sacrifices are normally thought of as being offered in death, like bulls and goats of the Old Testament. But in our situation, the sacrifice of death has already been offered by Jesus, who has given his life as an atonement toning sacrifice for us. He took the punishments, punishment that we deserve to bring us into a new life, the abundant life that he came to bring us. Just real quick, are your thoughts of abundance and life? Or do they question who you are and your identity in Jesus? It's easy to start figuring this stuff as you start to hear it. So I used the word atonement, and atonement means simply by that we're at one with God now. If you break that word up, it says at one meant atonement. This is the context of the offering we make to God. It is not another offering to pay for our sins or to bring us into God's favor. Rather, because we are already at one with him, and only it is only right that we offer the living sacrifice of the whole of our lives, our heart, our mind, our body, our soul, strength and worship and service. Can I read that to you again? It's only right that we offer the living sacrifice of the whole of our lives, our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, and worship and service. Worship and service. This church may not be any different than any other church. I don't know that. I'm not over here all the time. But if you want to find out about the church and you want to find out where their treasure is stored up, look at where they spend their time and their money. I'm talking to me. Where do I spend my time and my money? Well, I did a little study on that and I looked at my checkbook my debit card. My wife and I, we really like to eat out. That's the first thing I discovered. That was a problem. But we, we had so much different, so many different places where our money went that could have been going to something that was for eternity, someone that could help, something that could change someone's life for eternity, someone that may need it more than we need it. And where did I spend my time? So church, I want to ask you a question this morning. 
as we are taking our thoughts captive, one of the biggest places that the enemy will come to you and attack you is to tell you you're not, you shouldn't even be up here on this stage singing. What are you doing up here? Get out of here. Go put somebody else up here. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I just saw you sing. Thank you for that too, by the way. It's serving the church. It's serving the church. You're the church, not the building. Yeah, we've got to do sheetrock and other stuff. But where do you spend your time? Is it a one-hour service, which this one's going to be an hour and 15 or 20 minutes? Does it make sense to you? Where's your time and your, where you ta- your, time and your money is, is where your treasure is at. And I can tell you that Pastor uh, has an amazing vision. Every time I talk to him, he's somewhere else vision-wise. He has a huge vision to reach the people of this community. And he is doing, and you guys are doing, an amazing, amazing job. Because here's how I know that. Churches don't grow just because the pastor's a good preacher. His job is to equip you guys. Y'all are the saints. You bring them in. You're the evangelists. He preaches to them. And then you bring more in. Wow, man, you guys are doing a great job here. Mm. If you want to live a life worthy of your calling, go to Ephesians 1 and go to, and just write these scriptures down in Thessalonians. It says, we ask and we urge you to live in order to please God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2. Also see Colossians 3, 1 through 4. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. And Hebrews. I'm going to add Hebrews in. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Now point 2, don't conform. Point 2, don't conform. Living sacrifice, don't conform. It's easy to live a life that pleases God. It's not easy. It's the most difficult thing we'll ever do as Christians is to live a life that's pleasing to God. The second most difficult thing we'll ever do is be married. And all the married people said, Amen. thank you. One reason it's all, one, one, <laughs> hey, that's why we do marriage classes. And by the way, we have a, one coming October the 13th. Yes. Woo. So if you want to come back, you're more than welcome to and bring some friends. This place is a lot bigger now. We'll put more people in here. One reason that um, it's not easy to live a life that pleases God, one reason is, is that although we are at one with him, we're still living in a world that isn't. Our daily environment, the atmosphere that we breathe, so to speak, pushes us to live in the old way, the way of the flesh. <laughs> Don't be conformed to the standards of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will renew your mind by God's word, the sword of the spirit, spending time in his word, putting your armor on, as it says in Ephesians 6.10, starts right there, put your armor on each morning. Number three, conform to God's will. Gosh, I just want to know what God's will is. For me, what is God's will? How much time have we spent in the scriptures looking for it? So what should we conform to? Not the pattern of this world around us. The answer is God's God's will. In verse 2 it says it's good and pleasing and perfect. Hmm. Note that the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was introducing new ways of living for God's people. He wasn't doing that. 
Rather, he was highlighting how the people had let themselves be conformed to ungodly, unbiblical ways of behavior and then calling them back to God's true ways. All the prophets in the Old Testament had done the same. They were calling people back. That's what Paul is doing here is urging us to seek to follow God's will. God's will is good because it reflects his character. And everything God does is good and it is right. His will is pleasing. When we obey it, it pleases God, yes. But when we obey it, it also pleases us. As the psalmist said, you have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy, not happiness. Joy in your presence with the eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalms 1611. It's one of my favorites. Or Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God in Matthew 5, 8. Matthew 5, 8. His will is perfect. We're not talking about some narrow legalism, but principles of love and high ethics. His will is perfect because it covers every situation. In Psalms 19, 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, and it revives the soul. Who needs some soul reviving this morning? I know I do. Yes. Four, point four, be transformed. We're getting there. Be transformed. We come finally to the how of this matter. How do we conform to God's will? The answer is by our minds being transformed and renewed. It's not easy. It's not to say our emotions are irrelevant, but it does say that how, it, but it does say how that we think is of utmost importance. I'm going to tell you, you ask any Olympic athlete or any of these unbelievable musicians up here, they have to have a level of confidence to get up here, even if they come and do it in, in fear. Just 10 years ago, I started a men's ministry. I thought, God, that's what you wanted me to do. I used to drink and do all kinds of crazy stuff. People in the marriage class heard our testimony. And I decided, you know what, I want to do that without doing all of that. I'm sure there's other men that would like to do that. I didn't know that you could eat crawfish without drinking beer. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could go dove hunting without drinking beer. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you could cook briskets on the smoker and not get just lit up. I didn't know that. That just tells you how long it was. So you know what? I started a men's deal. About 50 guys showed up at our church. Then I realized somebody's got to pray in front of these people. I was looking around there, and I was like... Well, dummy, you're the one supposed to be praying. You put this thing together. They're looking to you. I said, well, does anybody in here want to pray? I'm saying, man, come on, y'all pray. It'd be good for you. You know why I didn't? Because I had no confidence. I didn't feel like I had the value. God, I was listening to God, but I got right there to the Jordan and went, hmm. Man, I don't know. I hear some stuff's over there. Often we cannot control how we feel, good, bad, angry, sad. But emotions, I want you to hear something. For people who are emotional, emotions are morally neutral. An angry person can behave well or they can go on a rampage. A contented person can be a compassionate or they can be indifferent to the needs of others. How we think will determine how our emotions translate into how we behave. 
It's the theme of Paul's writings that we're studying. He tells us in Ephesians that non-Christian thinking is futile. It lacks understanding and, and is separated from, from God. He encourages us in Colossians to set our minds on things above and not on earthly things. He urges us in Philippians to think on the things truth, nobility, loveliness, e excellence, purity in uh, Philippians. At least we think this is just a Pauline idea. Note that Peter starts his great passage on holiness with the injunction, prepare your minds for action. All these passages teach us that we are to renew and to transform our minds and focus on godly things. They teach us that the renewed mind looks for God's will. Asking if you want what you would want Jesus to do. The renewed mind recognizes failure. I used to never want to admit being wrong. I don't know if we've got any of y'all other people in here like that. My pride was so huge. And what I found out was, is as I started having this relationship with the Father, good gracious, he just started stripping me down. And then I realized that when I mess up, I want to admit it as quickly as possible because I found something that's amazing and it's called peace. It says, for you angry people, I just, all of a sudden, I got to tell somebody this. It says, it says, be angry for former angry person. I love to hear that in scripture. Be angry. It says, sin not, man. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't allow the enemy a foothold. So when you mess it up, folks, church, you go to them and say, please forgive me. I'm sorry or I apologize. That's okay, but forgive me. Try to use a word that God's using. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Let the peace come. So a renewed mind recognizes failures. It repents of sin and calls on God for mercy and help. It trusts God and is not arrogant. It listens to God. It recognizes that Isaiah said God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are higher does this make any sense at all to you this morning does this relate to anything that you deal with on a daily basis the enemy wants to make his way in every day and take you off course that God would have you to do period why do you think we we struggle to find volunteers in churches because the enemy says you there's nothing there that you can do you were made to do things here. You weren't made to do things out there. It was made for here. If you do it and you're scared to do it, do it anyway. I want to suggest a good way to start the process of allowing. And we're almost done here. You know what that means, 30 more minutes. No, it's not good way to start the process of allowing God to transform your mind is to commit key verses and passages from the scripture to memory. I struggle with this. And I know why. Because the enemy doesn't want me to, to defeat him. That's why. So I'm getting better at it. And that's what I'm telling myself. I'm getting better at it. Zach and I, we talked about some of this stuff. This weekend, we just had an amazing men's retreat. My wife, Kim, would have been here with you, and she sends her love, but she's at a women's retreat down at the beach. I'd rather be here. In this way, we can store up a treasure chest of God's words that we can meditate upon, chew over, 
and draw upon when faced with decisions or confronted with difficulties every day. There's more to it than that, of course. The rest of Romans 12 looks at several key areas of our life. It elaborates how to transform this transformational process and how it will play out. It'll, we will be challenged, encouraged, and uplifted. So I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, volunteer at your church. Whether you know anything about it or not, we know we had a lot of people that aren't cowboys at our church, and we'd put them out there in the arena with guacamole. Just told them there weren't going to be any chips. Y'all just go out there and serve. Holy and pleasing to God, be a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. I'm going to tell you something. For us Christians, us disciples, the children of God, those that have been born again, for us to not serve in the church somewhere, whether it's this church, in ministry, somewhere else, we are a contradiction to our faith. That's pretty strong, I know. But I'm talking to me, too. So I don't know where you are with your thoughts. I don't know what you struggle with. I don't know if you have issues with depression, anxiety, panic. My wife, she has a depression issues. She takes a couple of different meds to deal with her depression. She's fought it her whole life. We don't hide it from people. What we figured out is there's a lot of people just like her. I suffer from anxiety and panic. Did. Rarely do I have that anymore unless I'm up on something really, really, really tall, like something over four feet. <laughs> I got it whipped, don't I? I? I whipped it up to four feet. I'm going to try to get to five at some point in my life. Get on an eight-foot ladder, and it's a, man, it's a show. I get up on the roof. I can't get off of it. It's wild. Where does this stuff come from? I just want you to think about it. Let it soak into your spirit. So I don't know, you came to church, and I don't know if you just came to church to just come to church. That's great. Or if you came to church to learn. Or if you came to church for an experience with the Father. Say, God, you know what? I got this stuff going on in my life. I've tried it. The doctors have tried. This has gone on. That's gone on. I just can't. I can't move it forward. My thoughts are driving me nuts. Well, I'm going to tell you, those thoughts are not from the Father. They're from the confuser, the illusionist, who also knows Scripture, by the way. And he'll give you just enough of it to think you're on the right track and then ease you off. I want to tell you just real quickly, and we're going to pray. I want to talk to you about a compass. Do you know what a compass is? Right? Some of you guys and gals, you've been on planes and you've been in a boat. And when it's rough, that compass is hard to read. It's doing this. Now you got, you just put your phone up on the dash with GPS. You can just go in your car or boat, go anywhere. But if you're using the compass and it's off only just one degree, it's 360 degrees. One degree. It's just, if we had a point back here in the back of the room, a little target, we were off one degree, we'd probably still hit the bullseye. But if we go out there to the front gate, we're going to get close. We're going to walk right up to it and see the target. But I'm going to tell you, if you leave London for New York City, you're going to land in Kansas City. See, the enemy plays long term, plays for keeps. 
And any way that he can take your marriage, your relationships off just a little bit and think you're doing it for the right reasons instead of filtering it through here, through Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, is it for you married people? See, that's our filter. That's our manual. The enemy plays for keeps. It's life or death, the power of the tongue. Nobody has more impact on how you are mentally than you do. If mama's not happy in the house, no one's happy. I See, I don't believe that. What I believe is me as the priest of the home, I set the tone. And if I'm there serving my wife, as it says in Ephesians 5.21, instead of listening to the flesh and going, you're the man, she's supposed to submit to you. Well, it says in 21, before all that other stuff, it says, submit to each other in reverence of God. See, when you know the truth, things are different. I hope it helped you this morning to know that there's a lot of us together that fight these thoughts and that we have to take our thoughts captive, the things that are good and pleasing to God and not to the enemy. Let's pray this morning together. Lord, we just thank you this morning for, uh, for your word. We thank you for everybody that's here. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Mark and, and Mary, Lord, as they go and they minister. We, Lord, we're thankful for the staff here and the musicians and the servers and the lay pastors. And Lord, we just thank you for everybody that's a part of this church. We thank you for the church body as it came. And so this morning, I just want to recognize you, Satan, for who you are. You are our enemy. You're not our brother. You're not our helper. You're not our advocate. You're our adversary. And you're a liar and a thief. In the name of Jesus, I bind you, Satan, this morning. And we're going to recognize today the battle lines have just changed in our minds. We're recognizing today that you are a thief and that we belong to the most high God, the only God. There are no others. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. Not at the beginning, but is the beginning. So Lord, as we just take a couple of quiet moments, we've spent quite a bit of time here talking about this. Lord, my prayer is that this message would sink in and that we'd start having battles and skirmishes where we start to win and start to lose. Lord, I just want you to press in to your kids, the ones who know you, the ones who have asked you to come into their heart, that you start speaking value into them. We take the mask off that the enemy has placed and we recognize that you don't build junk. That each one of us are a masterpiece. And Satan, again, you're a liar and a thief. So I want to ask you this morning. You may have been saved as a little boy or a little girl. Or you may have been saved two years ago. And you just, you just turned your back on God. And you just went down that road. And mentally you just, maybe the anxiety and pressures of life have just continually overflow problems in your marriage problems in your life and you say God this morning I heard some things you reveal some things to me and I want to renew my mind this morning I want to put a stake in the ground and just say God I just need you to come and fill me with your spirit so that I can defeat and I want you to help me motivate me get in my Bible so that I can defeat the enemy 
And I'll rededicate my life this morning. I recommit to you, God, whereas you are my safe place. So if that's you this morning, if you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, right where you're at, just raise your hand. Just say thank you all over the place. Come on, raise your hands, those that want to recommit your life. This is between you and God. This isn't between me and you. This is between you and the Father. It's time to do business with Him. We showed up today, drink some coffee and see our friends, but we came to do business with the Lord. We need an experience with Him. It's not about head knowledge. It's about an experience with the Father. Lord, thank you for them. Put your hands down. And I think there's some people in here this morning that have never given their heart to the Lord, ever. You're going, Robert, I don't understand all this stuff. Well, join, join me, brother. I, I don't know, understand some of it either, but I have faith that it's true. I know God's word is true. Yes, there's some mysteries to me, but I know God's word is true. I, I've had an experience with God. I've seen him work in my life. If you've never given your heart to the Lord this morning and you want to say, you know what? I'm not ashamed of it. I'm gonna, I don't care if you're 75, 80, 90 years old or if you're 15 years old. Right where you're at, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's for your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Scripture says, don't, that the Father will never put you to shame. So if you say, I want to I wanna give my heart to the Lord this morning, I want to start fighting this battle. I'm tired of losing other battles that I fight with.